Welcome to another Mother Runner. I'm Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm sorry. And we're sharing a microphone. <laughs> and my name is Dimity McDowell, not in Denver. So happy to be in Longmont, Colorado with Kara Goucher at Shoes and Brews. Awesome. Best store ever. I love this setup. Right on. So as you can hear, we are recording live. And uh, welcome, Kara Goucher. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight. It's really awesome to see so many people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, um, so one of my uh, greatest freelance writing assignments, uh, Kara, involved you, and it was breaking the news of your pregnancy on the cover of the sports section of the Sunday New York Times on Mother's Day. And um, so if memory serves me, uh, that was in 2010, right? So that means your son Colton is... He's two weeks away from being eight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Big birthday party Going planned. Going so fast. No, we haven't planned anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, so we are here to celebrate the launch, or I guess it's kind of a couple months out now, of Strong, right? Your beautiful book that is both a narrative and a journal, which is kind of a nice BOGO for us. Um, so in a the Confidence Journal. Um, in, in the intro, Dr. Stephen Walker talks about how he instructed you to keep start keeping one. Um, can you tell us what a Confidence Journal is and how do you how you utilize one in your running? Yeah, so I keep a Confidence Journal, and like many of you, I have kept a training journal since I was since 1994 to just like age myself. So, um, and so it's just like a part of my life. Before I go to bed, I get in bed. My Confidence Journal is on my nightstand or my training journal is on my nightstand and I write in it every night. And he really encouraged me to start a confidence journal. I was heading into the 2016 training for the 2016 Olympic trials and I had been injured and dinged up and I hadn't performed well in a while. And I was really struggling with my confidence. And he just said, every night after you write in your training journal, I want you to write something positive about yourself that day that relates to running. And I was like, oh, that's so stupid, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, every, I see him on a weekly basis, and every time I went in, I had to show him seven entries. He didn't read them because they're personal, but he, he had to see them. And so it became habit, and it became such a powerful tool for me to be able to flip through that and see all of the work I had done and all the progress I had made to get to where I was. And even on a bad day when everything went wrong, I would still have to reframe it and find something positive. And that became a really important tool in my training to always be able to find positive even on the worst days. Uh, and I'm curious, on rest days, what, what do you write in your confidence journal? Yeah, well, I'm like, well... Ran an easy eight. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a rest day is easy eight. Yeah, and it would be like, you know, like, you know, like, today I was grateful for not being injured, or today, you know, I really needed this day. Like, I've been doing a lot of great work. So it's always, like, making it positive. And I think that's one thing, especially as women, we really tend to focus on, like, everything we're doing wrong. And so it's really important, I think, to have that moment at night before you go to bed where you focus on something that you're doing right. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just kidding. Are there, is there any ever any life entries in there? Like, do you ever just take a zoom out and perspe perspective away from running? Definitely. And especially the last two years as I've been racing less and less, you know, I'll, I'll talk about how I am as a mother or how I was um, as a wife or just something that I'm doing in my life. But I think it's really been a powerful tool to just focus on something positive about myself every day because... It's, it's a little bit just like a pat on the back and an acknowledgement that you are doing things well and you are doing the best you can do. 
And is the podcast going to be the, the thing you write about tonight? Um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a great job, Kara. <laughs> um, so, uh, so one of my favorite pointers in the intro is the practice of enclosed cognition, which is a little difficult to say. So it's a phrase I'd never heard before, but I certainly believe in the technique. So please explain what enclosed cognition is and how you incorporate it into your training and racing. And definitely tell us one of a few of your favorite Wazell pieces that power you up. Okay. So enclosed cognition is, um, for me, it's when I, there are certain pieces or items of clothing that when I wear, I feel more powerful. So for instance, my racing kit, I never touch my racing kit until it's race day. Uh, I never warm up in those warm ups. I never wear that crop top. When I put that on, I feel like it now is different. Now is go time. It's like a special piece of clothing that I will only wear for there. And it makes me feel more powerful. Likewise, in training, there are certain pieces of clothing that I'll wear when I'm doing like a really hard effort. So maybe if it's just like a recovery day, I might wear something that's a little bit looser and a little bit, um, you know, like more comfy. But when I'm trying to run hard and fast, I choose different clothing that's a little bit more breathable, that's like tighter on my skin, that is like nothing that's going to billow in the wind. And that like gives me a mental check of like, this is go time. This is a hard day. This is a day to focus. So that's what it is and what it, how it works for me. And, and do you have a color that you're like power color? I mean, not really. I mean, I love pink if you can't tell. <laughs> um, but uh, it's really just about the way it feels on my body and it makes me feel more powerful. And it, and it just reminds myself that like, this is a big deal. This is an important day. And like on a race day, it's like, this is go time. This is what you've been waiting for. So um, you just brought back a memory for me, which I'm sure you're excited to hear. Oh, yeah. um, but I remember writing in Run Like a Mother about how I used to wear yoga pants on my easy days. This was like Lululemon yoga pants were like all the rage, the bell-bottom ones. So I'm like, I'm running in yoga pants. It's my easy day. Have you ever run in like bell-bottom pants? Or are they always, are they always capri slash tights? Um, I actually don't think I've ever run in yoga pants. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, I definitely warmed up in them on okay. a cold day. <laughs> awesome. All right, all right. So here's, um, so we, we all know the impact of both the spoken word and the thought word and how powerful, powerful words can be, right? Um, and Strong, you write about having some mantras and positive self-talk and power words. Um, can you talk about the words and phrases that have stood the test of time over your career to inspire you? Yeah, I think... Like some words that I constantly come back to are phrases is that I'm a fighter. A big one for me is I deserve to be here because so many times in my career I've like talked myself out of that I deserve to be there. Yeah. yeah. So that's a big one that I come back to a lot. Like I deserve to be here. I've done the work. You know, I belong here. Um, so I say I belong here a lot to myself too. So those are ones that kind of cycle through. Sometimes I'm like, you know, be unrelenting or something like that. But like fighter and I deserve here constantly come back into my lineup. How about believe? It made a big impression on me when you told me that when I interviewed you for maybe for a self article, maybe. Yeah, I mean, believe is huge. Most of you, I'm sorry, I wrote always believe in your books tonight. Um, but I think belief in yourself, you can't accomplish the things you want if you don't believe in yourself. And so you have to have that belief. And so that's a huge word for me. And I just want to unpack the I deserve to be here a little bit just because I think for all of us who are like, sweet, I finished in like the, the middle two thirds of the pack. Like I, I'm, I'm doing well, you know, to have somebody that we see standing on the starting line and running so fast and running so gracefully 
and so beautifully and so strongly, it's hard sometimes to believe that you need to convince yourself that you are the amazing runner that you are. Do you think that your competitors feel the same way or do you think that you're just more open about where you are? I mean, I think self-doubt is, is, I don't want to say it's a weakness for me because I feel like I've taken ownership of it, but it's just a part of my makeup. And I do think that people do doubt themselves, but maybe they don't just like admit it all the time. I've had training partners that are like, Kara, I'm scared too, but shut up. You know, (laughs) I'm like, I'm so nervous. Um, but like, I just, it's just one of those things. My mind goes to like, I was raised on hot dish. I didn't have parents that were great athletes. No one in my family is a runner except for my grandpa. You know, like that's where my mind goes. And I kind of talk my, I'm like, I, I ate goulash before every race. Like, I don't deserve to. You know, I ate spam on Christmas Eve. Like, I'm not an elite athlete. And that's, those are the thoughts that, I've, that have run through my mind and continually do. And that's why controlling that and kind of taking ownership of it and taking away its power has been so important in my career. Well, and the other thing that I just want to um, compliment you on, and I, this, again, sounds a little weird, but, I mean, I was doing just a little research on the Kara Goucher last night, and I was on YouTube and, and looking at um, reading an article about you um, in the Duluth News and also um, when you were talking about um, finishing fourth uh, at the um, last Olympic trials, and you were very emotional. And I mean that in a good way. I feel like sometimes it's so, because you see these athletes that are just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and you really said, you know, I'm disappointed, but I gave it everything I could. And I just think, you know, for us, again, us mere mortals who are like, oh, I don't know if I can eke out a sub two hour half marathon today. I don't know if I have it in me to know that you fight that hard and you care that much is just, um, it's just really heartening and really cool to see. So I just, I just want to applaud you for being human and real. Thank you. I mean, I am, oh, well, thanks. I am very emotional, and I used to see that as a weakness, and I used to try to hide it. And honestly, at the Boston Marathon in 2009, at the finish line, I just started crying. And everyone around me was like, button it up, button it up, you know, get into the tent. And I just, I couldn't. And um, it was kind of a game changer for me. Like, there was a lot of like, oh, she's a crybaby. But then I was like, yeah, I am. Yep. (laughs) Put my heart on the line. Work my ass off tried to deliver for thousands of people and it didn't happen and you know what I'm sad and you know like I think that if you really want to accomplish what you want to accomplish you have to be willing to be vulnerable and whether you achieve those goals or not you still feel it and so I am a (laughs) crybaby so and you mentioned feeling like you disappointed thousands of people I mean how much do you feel the support and maybe sometimes weight of exp- other people's expectations on you when you're out there racing and, and not, not Adams or your coaches or something right. like that, but you know, like the women in this room. <laughs> I feel like this is a pretty supportive bunch. Um, I think when I was younger, I felt a lot of weight. I, I was given so much opportunity that I felt like I needed to come through. Like I felt like I needed to in Boston and I needed to in New York and I needed to, break the American record. I, I had so much, so much given to me that I needed to do that to justify it. Um, now that I'm a little bit older, I realize like I'll, I always did the best I could. And even when I felt like I let people down, I, I never didn't try. I was always giving it my all. So I've, I've learned to kind of 
look at things differently now. I was much harder on myself when I was younger. Now I think I always do the best I can. I've never not given the best I can. And I've also, as I've gotten older, realized that people are friendly and enjoy the journey whether I win or not. And that's been really empowering. Mm-hmm. So there's a section in your book about social connections. So can you share an example or two of times when a social connection helped you, maybe one related to running and maybe one related to mothering? Ooh. Mm. Well, we're, we're another mother runner, so <laughs> yeah. we got to get that part in there. Uh, I just feel like no matter how good you are, there's always a time when you're not the best anymore. And so if you're only ever focused on yourself, then at some point there's going to be this massive disappointment. So I think I have so many people that I've surrounded myself with that encourage me and keep me going. I think in 2016, that was a really low point in my life. I didn't make the Olympic team and then I got severely injured, but my social connections with Emma Coburn and Jenny Simpson, I was able to watch them in the Olympics and watch them get medals. And it, something I had dreaded, I had dreaded the Rio Olympics and I had like dreaded that whole two week period um, ended up being like an amazing, beautiful period. So without them in my life and without investing my emotions in their success, I couldn't have had that. Um, I mean, as a mother, just like thank you to all the other mothers out there that make me feel like it's okay to not be perfect. And there's no one that's nailing it all the time. And if they say they are, they're lying. And um, (laughs) it's just like I've met so many cool people through being a mom that just are like, it's hard and, and there is no perfect way. And, um, yeah, I've just gotten a lot of helpfulness from being open to other mothers. Excellent. All right. Well, before we move on to the next questions, we're going to take a short break and stay with us. All right. This question, I, Shalane Flanagan, your uh, former training partner said when I interviewed her a couple weeks ago in person, we were talking about peeing I'm in so your pants. I'm so nervous for this. Uh, and, uh, and that she said, oh, you're, and I, I guess I had mentioned that we were doing this podcast. She goes, oh, you're going to have to ask Kara about that. And I totally forgot. And then I think it was Katie who was here tonight. She was like, I was just listening to you right over there. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you have to ask her about that. I'm like, oh, thank you for reminding me. So, okay. So, so supposedly for, if people want advice about peeing in their caprice to save time during an important race, Kara, you're the go-to gal. Okay. Get it? Go-to gal. See what I did there? Okay, first of all, when I first started training with Shalane, I'd be like, I have to pee. And she'd be like, I think there's like a porta potty like two miles ahead. And I'd be like, no, you don't understand. I have to pee right now. <laughs> and so she can hold it. I can't. It's fine. Um, and yeah, there was a workout we were doing. And I was like, I had two miles to go in this progression run. And um, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. And my coach was like, don't ruin it now. Like, and so I just relaxed and went. And so... Shalane, I would just tell her, just let it go. Like, no one can even smell it. Like, trust me, I've peed in lots of races. No one can tell. <laughs> Doesn't smell any worse than the sweat. Thanks a lot, Shalane. <laughs> when you're hydrated well, you really, yeah, it's, you it's just water, smell. man. It's just water. Water and in, sweat water out. smells worse. Yeah, come on, it's fine. We've all done it, right? All right. <laughs> okay, so in this, this isn't really a TMI moment, but um, I saw on your Instagram again, I was kind of, you know, stalking you a little bit last night. You recently got a tattoo. We got, we got to know what that is, and yeah, so tell us what it is and tell us what it means, please. So I've been thinking about getting this tattoo for a while. I have been going through um, just like a battle kind of in my private life, um, and it's been very exhausting and ongoing and never seems to be ending, but I have never backed down. 
on it. And at times it has been so hard on myself and my family, but like I, I, but as difficult as other people made it, I never back down. And so I just wanted to get that tattoo to remind myself of how strong I was and how I always move forward and I don't back down. And so I got a tattoo of an arrow to remind myself that I'm always moving forward and I have it going through a diamond to show that I am unbreakable. I love it. That's what it's for. <laughs> All right. So as we often do, we turn to our Facebook community to suggest questions for you. And um, so this one comes from Katie. What workouts are your favorite for improving mental endurance and strength? The best workouts for in improving mental endurance and strength are the worst workouts. They are <laughs> the really hard ones where there's plenty of time to have self-doubt. So long runs, um, long repeats. But those are the workouts that I fear, but that I also get the most confidence from. So 5K repeats, mile repeats, um, intense long runs. Those are the things that when I see it on my document, my, I have like a pit in my stomach and I like have to go to my confidence journal. Um, but then when I complete them, I'm like, you know, much to my mantra, I deserve to be here. Yeah. Well, so and I have a question about those because you see them on your do document, correct? It's not a program. It's a document. Okay. Just being clear. Um, so... So, like, when I am training hard, I would see, like, say, a 12-mile run, you know, with some with some race pace miles. And they're on a Monday, and that race or that run is going to be on a Saturday. And I can't get it out of my head, and I basically spend the whole week dreading Saturday morning. Even though I know I'm going to lace up and go, and I know it's going to be fine overall. You know, the world's not going to break, and I might make it, and I might not, but it's going to be okay. But how – do you have that same issue where you're – do you dread the hard workouts for a long time? And if you do, what do you do with that situation? Yeah, I mean, it, I used to cripple myself, like, fearing the workouts. So I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I don't even care. Like, I got my document today, and I'm running Gold Hill on Sunday. I want to cry about it already. But I know that these are going to make me better. I know that I'm never asking myself something that I'm not capable of doing. My coaches are never going to ask me to do something that I'm not capable of doing. And I just have to remind myself that this is a small goal along the way to a bigger goal. And if you don't challenge yourself and you don't have these little goals, then you're never going to get to the big goal that you want. So I still get nervous for workouts just like everybody else, but I've learned to control it more and just say, you know what, this has to happen. If I want to run a 2.30 marathon, then I have to be able to do this. It's just, it's illogical to just jump from here to there. So it's scary and it's a little test, but what's the worst thing that happens? You don't hit the pace. Yeah. You're still alive. Serious, wondering what we're talking about. Oh, jeez. No, it's not. Siri going off with animal <laughs> testing. I don't know. I don't know. Have you been... Dealing with some rabbits or no. something recently? No, I found a Okay. All right. Um, okay, so here's another Facebook question from Monica. How do you stay positive yet realistic when you got back into running and racing after you had your son? Um, is there anything you would have done differently and other advice from other runners who might be in that same situation? Coming back from having my son was much more challenging than I thought it would be. And... Um, my contract at the time, I, I had to come back. And so I didn't, I mean, I didn't have to, but I was potentially going to lose my contract. So I didn't have the ability to take, take my time or anything like that. I don't regret coming back because I ran my PR when he was six and a half months old and he was there for that. Um, but I would not recommend that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it set me up for a lot of injuries and a lot of chronic stuff. So my advice would be, if you feel great, go and run hard. But if you don't feel great, there's a reason why you grew a human and you pushed them out of you or someone cut it out of you. You know, like something very real happened to your body. and And you're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. You're not resting the way you do. If you're nursing, your whole body is about providing for keeping your child alive. It doesn't care about you, you know, so... Like, be gentle on yourself. If you catch a great day, great. But if you don't, that's okay. And I feel like we get, we look at celebrities losing weight and all these things, and we feel like we should just be able to bounce back, but that's just not reality. And I, if I could go back in time, the one thing I would definitely do differently is to be more forgiving of myself, focus on my core more, and I don't mean like sit-ups, I mean like letting everything come back, working to actually get everything back together, and... Yeah, but I would just be more forgiving of myself. Um, so following up with the motherhood theme, um, Kathy is curious, what is your favorite thing about being a mom these days to an almost eight-year-old? I, I mean, he's at just such a fun age. Like, he has so much personality and things he likes to do. And I just, I mean, I know it's so lame, but, like, I just like hanging out with him. And I like all of his adventures. Like, he wants to bike to school now, and then he wants to go for a bike right after school. And, like, today I'd already run 13 and a half miles when I went to pick him up from school. And I was like, I don't want to go for a bike ride. He was like, just an hour and a half. And it was like, a half hour. (laughs) And we negotiated. But you know what? It was, like, awesome. And it's just, I think one thing Colt has done for myself and my husband is, like, he is so in awe of everything and so positive. I remember after I didn't make the Olympic team, I stayed in LA another day to do um, an appearance for Skechers. And we got to this hotel and it wasn't the hotel they wanted to put us up in because it was last minute and it was Valentine's Day. And we went in and he goes, there's a TV in here? (laughs) This is awesome. And it's just like, he's just helped me so much. Just look at like, there are so many great things and we get caught up on all like, you know, what we're doing wrong or what's wrong in our lives and what's stressing us out. And he has helped me so much to just see, like, there's so much wonder and joy in everything we do every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, with more questions from Facebook. So Heather just started reading Strong, and she wants to know, how do you block out what others think of you or what you think they might think of you and let your opinion of yourself be the one that counts? That's a good question, Heather. And, um... It's it's easier said than done. It takes time. That That's part of the thing about strong and part of keeping a confidence journal is you really do get to focus on yourself and not anyone else. When people say negative things or think you're old or you're fat or you're not pretty or you're slow or whatever it might be, of course it's like a little prick. Like we're not asking you to be like not human, but focusing it more back on yourself, all that you can do is your best. That's all that you can do. You can't help what anyone else thinks or what anyone else does or what anyone else says. You actually cannot help that at all. All you can help is that every day you're doing the best you can do. And so by constantly focusing it back on you, that's where you get the power from yourself. Um, okay, so can you remind us how old you are, Ms. Kara Gaucho? I'm 40. So a couple of us, not naming names, have kind of come into some injuries and um, have learned that cross-training and strength training are key to being able to get in many happy miles still on the road. So can you talk a little bit about how your routine, I mean, so you mentioned earlier you're you're trying to kind of hit a goal in the marathon, a sub-230. How has your training changed 
um, for this round versus, say, 10 years ago? Are you adding in more strength training, more cross training, or are the workouts more or less the same? Um, more rest. Okay. Easier, easy days. Not quite as much mileage anymore. I mean, I'm hoping to get up to 110 during this training period, but I used to go as high as, like, 135. Um, That's a month for most of us, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> well, I'm one of those people that just likes the work. I like constantly, I like having a double every day. I mean, I don't always, but, like, I like looking back and being like, oh, yeah, I'm so tough, you know. <laughs> um, but easier recovery days, not as many workouts a week. So whereas I used to go three hard workouts a week, I only go two hard workouts a week now. And one day of strides, it's like a fluffy workout. Um, and just... I do strength train a lot more now because all of those little weaknesses that we had when you were younger and you can kind of get away with become like big chronic issues now. So I'm in the gym Wednesdays and Fridays pretty aggressively working on those things and having to admit to myself when I need an easy day and I need just a couple miles and then maybe I'm going to cross train and it's so hard, but it's a lot easier than having to take another two months off from an injury. Absolutely. Um, and are you, do you have your eye on a specific race for this um, marathon that you want to talk about or not yet? I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. <laughs> um, so you alluded to injury in that last answer. So Heather wants to know how you dealt physically with being away from running for an extended period of time with your knee injury. And um, for the gals who aren't familiar with the injury, can you kind of start with a short description of it? Yeah, shortly after the Olympic trials, I did everything wrong. I didn't rest. I jumped right back into training. I was back at practice three days after the Olympic trials, and I was determined to make the 10,000-meter team on the track. And I jumped into plyos, which I hadn't done in a year, and speed work and all of these things. It's just everything wrong. And I tweaked my knee, tweaked my hip, then ran, like kept running on it, then tweaked my knee, um, got a cortisone shot in it, tried to run through it till the point where like, I, I couldn't even run. Like I would be out on a 13 mile run and I, I physically couldn't run and my coaches would have to come pick me up. Went and had surgery. Um, I had a torn cartilage, torn meniscus. And when, during the surgery, they found out that I'm, I'm missing cartilage in my knee. So it was just like a thousand punches to my face and my gut. <laughs> and, um, I had a lot of bone injury because I'm bone on bone on my knee. And so anyway, it ended up being the longest break I've ever taken from running. It was five months of no running on land. And it's the longest break I've ever taken since I started running. And um, it was horrible. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm like going back there. Yeah. Um, it was really hard. I've always told myself, I am a happy person with a full life if I can't run. I, I will still be fulfilled, and I did not feel fulfilled. And I felt guilty because I was miserable all the time. And I have a child, and he's not miserable all the time. I tried to get into swimming. Those of you who do it, I don't know how you do it. Um, it took me forever to be able to swim 3K, and it, was, it just didn't give me that feeling. You know, I wasn't, like, pushing off the pavement, anything. And um, I remember my doctor saying, well, you know, like, you are a candidate for, like, a knee replacement. And I was just like, I'm desperate, like what can I do on that? Like, if I did that, what could I do? You know, he's like, not what you want, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, it was just, it was really hard. And I, it really tested me as a person. And um, in a weird way, it's scary because I was very, un I just, I had fun and I enjoyed my family. I visited my family more than I would. I went to Minnesota for an extended period of time and did things I normally wouldn't do. But there was always just like this little bit of, just cloudiness hanging over me. So I just, 
it was hard. And I really just tried to fill myself with new activities, friends and family, and I got through it, but it was, it definitely wasn't like the prettiest time of my life. Well, again, thank you for being honest about that. That's, that's huge. Um, so did you, okay, so swimming was tough. Did you pool run at all? Did you try that or do you do that? Yeah. And I, I actually love aqua jogging for recovery. So like after a hard long run, but I find it very hard to get a good workout. Um, I, I was just desperate for that feeling of when you, when it's hard Yeah, and you can barely breathe. And I mean, I got that from swimming the first time I went, I went to a, 50 meter pool and half my first length halfway up, it popped up and I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know how to swim. I'm going to die. But I, I borrowed a friend. I didn't have a bike at the time. I borrowed a friend's husband's bike and like biked up sunshine Canyon. Like, and that worked. I was like dying, but then I had to turn around and come back down. I was super, super scared. And so, yeah, I just, I do pool run. I, I have this thing called a zero runner that I enjoy, but I just miss that feeling of the hands are tingling you're in a you're you're about to go over the the edge of the envelope and that's beauty and i missed feeling that totally um and so uh so we're not talking about your next marathon but we have seen out there on the internets um that you're thinking about maybe going longer right and would that be like a trail ultra a road ultra like what are you thinking and and why i think in like my i would love to do a trail ultra if anyone has watched me run, though, you know that I am the world's worst shuffler. So there's a lot of, like, nervousness in that. And I, I have started running trails the last year and a half just to, like, kind of test myself. And I haven't, I mean, I'm for sure going to fall now that I'm saying this, but I haven't fallen yet, but I've had, like, a lot of close calls. So there's, a, there's fear in it, but I also like that. You know, it's not comfortable to me. It's scary. Also, the distance is scary. So I can see myself um, just trying to get the distance on the roads first and then trying to do it on the trails. Is there any, so Boulder here, is there a race that's appealing to you in Colorado or are you just first thinking, let's get, take it one race at a time, which, you know, I think we would advocate, but I'm just asking. Yeah, no, I think it's one race at a time and open to suggestion. And, you know, this isn't about me like starting this second career. It's really about like the cool thing about running is there's so many different ways to go with it. And I've lived one way for so long and it's not that I would ever say goodbye to that way, but I'm also like, there's a whole world out there that I've never experienced and I want to experience that. So I know a lot of the women listening are hoping probably that you're going to be coming to an area near them to promote the book. Um, Is there going to be any of that? Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to be traveling around and and promoting strong, but I also have these racing goals I want. So right now it's kind of on like where I decide to race if I'm able to race. Um, And then like if for some reason I'm injured and I'm not able to race, then I would probably throw myself into traveling more. So you just got to follow me. You just got to follow me. I'll tell you where I'm going to be. And I just, I have one more question. I mean, one of the things, um, again, I feel like this is a broken record, but I saw you coaching at the Wazell bird camp and you would look, I mean, what I liked so much about just kind of scrolling through your stuff is you're such a, a good cheerleader, a virtual cheerleader, you know, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and what does it feel like to have so many women looking to you as a role model? Um, and also knowing like that you can get them out the door in the morning, you know, with, with strong and just with your perspective and attitude. I mean, it's not about the time on the clock. It's about the fact that you're helping them live a healthier, stronger life. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a little overwhelming because once again, my voice, as you're saying this, I'm like, I'm just kind of like a nerd. And I you just, just like, you belong here, Kara. Yeah, you belong, I belong here. here. I belong here. <laughs> um, honestly, it's been the greatest gift of my life. The last, I would say four or five years, I have still been dedicated to my own running. But I remember when I was successful in college, I would think, who, who does this help but me? I'm the one that gets all the glory. I'm the one that got, gets to go run for this shoe company. I'm the one that gets to be in the magazine. So who, like, it doesn't really help anyone but me. And that, and I wanted the success, but it also felt weird. And I feel like the last three, four years of my life, I've been able to finally take that and do something that feels really fulfilling back, which is like reaching out to other women, um, reaching out to girls coming up now and just like, it makes it feel like the success wasn't just for me. It was an outlet for me to be able to share my joy and passion with so many other people. And it has been so fulfilling for me. I mean, it makes me emotional. Good. That's what we like. That's what we're going for. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for opening up. It was really, uh, you know, they were unique, um, honest answers. So thank you for sharing of yourself. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>